Welcome to Shine On Lemon Grove. I'm Greg Shibley, joined by my Yair and Yearn co-host, Leanna LeBaron. Hello, Leanna. How are you? Hello. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm very good. Thank you. I just the other day sat down with Sarah Jacobs, who is running for Congress in our district. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen her signs around. Have you been following the campaign at all? I haven't seen her signs. However, I have received about a million of her flyers. Yeah. 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 We've gotten a couple of those. Yeah. So have I. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoy talking with her. We'll roll that in a second. There's something I keep meaning to tell you, though. What is that? So a few episodes ago, when we talked with Fernando, you brought in Fernando from Nando's Taco Shop. Oh, yes. Well, he said on that episode, hey, come on by. And, you know, pick up a burrito or something. I didn't yeah, tell you. Yeah, he needed you to try it because you'd never been. I'd never been there. I actually went there later that day. Uh-huh. Holy cow. Mm, what'd you have? Okay. It, he just surprised me. I just said, you know, here's what I like, whatever. He ended up giving me this surf and turf burrito that had carne asada and shrimp. shrimp. Yum. I don't know what this guy put on the shrimp, the seasoning, the something. It was unbelievable did it have like a cream a cream spread on top like was it a cream base i th- yeah there was a little bit of i think there was like a little bit of a chipotle thing in there i mm. i don't all i know that first of all it tasted great and you know what else i noticed it was the last bite of it was just as good as the first bite that's that's good well you know sometimes that, when you get down to the bottom it it's not there it's all greasy yeah. and nasty exactly mm-hmm. Not this one. It was it was fantastic. So you give him five stars. Five stars. It was right on. I, I I I approve so much that I told my wife about it. Who, by the way, listened to the interview, mm-hmm. and she was saying, "Oh, I got to try this." Well, I brought her over there the other day. We had lunch, and she approved too. Well, there you have it. Greg gives Nando's Taco Shop a seal of approval. Everybody go check it out. I think that might have been like a surf and turf burrito, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's my new place. So, good. Um, Anyway, Super Tuesday is coming up. Oh, yes. Are you registered to vote? I am. Hopefully, everybody's registered to vote and they make it out to the polls March 3rd, which is this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Where where are the polling stations around town? Do you know? There's several in Lemon Grove to include the St. John of the Cross Mm. Hall over on Broadway, the Lemon Grove United Methodist Church, which is on Washington Street. The library, too, I think, right? The library. The Lemon Grove Fire Station, which is on, like, Central. Hmm. Then there's also North Park Church on Lemon Grove Avenue. Those are places, polling places where you can go. Oh, and I believe Mount Miguel High School Auditorium as well, over on Blossom Hill Drive. On this ballot, of course, locally... Most important to everyone is Measure S. Correct. Which we see things all over town about. Mm-hmm. There's actually giant billboards off of the 94 freeway now. Oh, I saw that. When, yeah. When you get off on federal, I see this huge billboard, yes on S. Yeah. So you can see it when you're going east or westbound on the 94, actually. So there's that, Measure S. There's also 53rd, the seat for 53rd Congressional District. That's right. also on the Well, ballot. and so that's going to be the primary. And the way mm-hmm. that they do that is the top two... Vote getters in this primary will go on to the election in November. Mm -hmm. And there's also for Board of Supervisors Mm. that's coming up. And I believe there's, what, three people on that? And it'll boil down to two. 
after this election. All right. So you ready to hear from Sarah Jacobs? Absolutely. We we um, just to remind people we have interviewed a couple other candidates for Congress. We talked with Joaquin Vasquez. That was on episode eight. And Jose, Jose Caballero. Caballero on episode 11. Folks, if you haven't heard those, go on back and listen to them. But what's interesting is those guys, they came in before Susan Davis had announced her, I don't know, out of retirement, but she announced that she wasn't going to seek reelection Correct. anyway. So they were the only two guys in the field. And then since then, it's ballooned up now. There's like a mm-hmm. million people. Yeah. For it. I think Sarah Jacobs, according to the, la- the, the latest poll that I saw, is ahead in the polls, but there's a lot of people who are undecided still. That's right. You brought up the what it was her. She was in the lead. Then it was like Georgette, Famela, and Joaquin. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's hear Sarah Jacobs. Yeah. Sarah Jacobs running for... Representative in the 53rd District of Congress, which includes our dear, beloved Lemon Grove. Ms. Jacobs, thank you for joining us. That's right. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. Now, for those people out there who don't know much about you already, let's just start with a little bit of backstory, if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be running for Congress. Absolutely. So I'm a third generation San Diegan, born and raised, uh, went to local public schools. And when my great grandparents first moved to San Diego, they actually moved to college area because that's one of the few places that Jewish families were allowed to live. And since then, obviously, San Diego has changed a lot. And I feel incredibly grateful for everything that it's done for my family and for me. And so I've always felt a personal responsibility to give back and to build the best San Diego we can have in a fairer and more equitable world. And I did that working in the Obama administration at the State Department and at UNICEF and as the CEO of an international education nonprofit before moving back home. And for the last year and a half or so, I've been the founder and chair of a countywide initiative on childhood poverty here in San Diego County. Uh, We have about 40% of our kids who live in families experiencing poverty here in Lemon Grove. There are some uh, census tracts where we have about 75% of the kids who are families experiencing poverty. And I felt like in a county as wealthy as San Diego, that was simply unacceptable. So that's what I'd been doing for the past uh, year and a half. And uh, I was not planning on running for Congress. But when Susan Davis announced her retirement, I felt like it was important that I step up. Now, why is that? Because obviously, you're already involved in a lot of things, Mm -hmm. making change in the way that you see fit. So why Congress? Well, a few reasons. So one is that i felt like our region was going to be losing 20 years of Susan Davis's seniority, and we really needed to elect someone who had the experience that I've had working in a federal agency who's worked making and implementing public policy at the federal level and could really make sure that from the very beginning, our region was well represented. I also think we need a new generation of leaders to go to Washington and really address some of the challenges that are going to define the next generation and make sure that we're looking at these problems differently and finding ways to actually work across the aisle and get some things done. What would be an example of looking at things differently? Absolutely. So uh, we actually have some uh, younger members of Congress, uh, many of whom were elected in the last election. 
And uh, so, for instance, while it feels like everything in Washington is so polarized and no one's getting anything done and we're just yelling across each other, uh, actually, two of the younger members, Congressman Colin Allred from Texas, a Democrat, and Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, a Republican from New York, uh, have introduced bipartisan bicameral legislation on early childhood because Colin just had a baby and uh, I believe Elise is going to. And so they found a way to um, bring that shared experience to actually be able to introduce bipartisan legislation. And I think that's really the approach that sending a new generation of leaders will be able to do. But at the same time, as I understand it, you are in favor of of Green New Deal and Medicare for All, those aren't exactly bipartisan measures. I mean, that, that would be tough to get through, right? Uh, yes and no. So, you know, when I'm talking to people across the district, um, I talk to people from every uh, political affiliation, every ideology, and everyone is concerned with the cost of health care and um you know, even Republican moms who have a kid with diabetes and can no longer afford insulin know that our system is very broken. And so I think we have a shared understanding of the problem. And when you can start building on issues of start building the trust on a shared goal, we disagree maybe on the tactics of how you get to that goal. But having that common goal really ensures that you can start working together in a more collaborative way. Now, I do want to get to some of your most important issues. Mm -hmm. Before we do, though, have you spent much time in Lemon Grove? Because you're not from Lemon Grove. I'm not. Originally. No, I live in Bankers Hill, which is right. a different part of the district. Sure. Um, but yes, I love um, the chicken lemon soup at Lemon Grove Cafe. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite. Um, and Little Miss Donuts is actually my favorite donut shop in the district. So. <laughs> wow. Leanna loves Miss Donuts as well. <laughs> yeah. You should, you should talk to her about it. 24 that. hours, everybody. So just so you know. <laughs> What do you think are some things that you could be doing on the national level that would have a direct impact on people here in Lemon Grove? It's a great question, and I'm proud to be endorsed by Lemon Grove City Councilwoman Jennifer Mendoza. And one of the things that we discussed was the fact that from the federal government, the community development block grant funding has decreased every year for Lemon Grove. And that's something I'd really fight for to make sure that we're getting those funds here to Lemon Grove so that we can use those funds to build the vibrant community that we know is here and that just needs a little bit of support. Okay, let's get on to a couple of your issues. I All know right. that on your website, which is Sarah Jacobs for CA, that's F O R C A. Com. That's right. No H on the Sarah. No. You know what? I made that mistake <laughs> first. I don't know how I hadn't noticed that. So yeah, no H on the Sarah. Um, anyway, on the website, you have a little bit more about on, on your bio and your position on loads of issues. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everyone to go on there and check it out. But let's. I would like to hear from you a couple of the issues that are most important to you. Absolutely. Um, so my team and I have knocked on thousands of doors. I'm talking to voters every single day. And some key themes come up with everyone I talk to. Uh, one is gun violence. Uh, I talk to kids who are terrified to go to school every day. And I mean, high school is hard enough. We should not be making it harder with this trauma. Uh, and parents who are considering homeschooling their kids, because when their third grader comes home, they're not talking about 
what they learned in school as mathematics and multiplication. They're talking about how they learned to hide under a bookcase so that they wouldn't be shot. So we need to address that. Uh, I also hear a lot about the urgent threat that climate change poses for all of us. And I've been so incredibly inspired by all the young people who have really made their voice heard on that issue. And uh, I think that's really going to to be the reason we're able to get something done in the next Congress. And then lastly, we know that families here in San Diego and in Lemon Grove are struggling with the high cost of living. That includes health care, as we discussed. It includes the high cost of housing, which I know many here in Lemon Grove are struggling with. And one of the things I hear the most from everybody is the need for more affordable child care. Uh, I talked to a parent the other day who was paying more for child care than for rent. And we already know how expensive rent is here in, in San Diego and in Lemon Grove. And so that's something we really need to address. Wow. I mean, as a father myself of two young children, pretty much everything you said there is, is really relevant to me. I mean, I noticed that a lot of those issues, um, if not all of them, are directly linked to the younger generation or, you know, the world that my children are going to inherit. I mean, particularly with the, you know, the gun violence, mm -hmm. um, it's clear to anyone that something's got to change, something's got to give. Yeah. And I mean, already I'm thinking, well, I mean, my kids go to school happy every day. And yet you hear these stories in the paper where kids are going to school just like mine. And, and then all of a sudden something happens. And I, I mean, it's so weird to live like that, knowing that it is possible that something could happen at any moment. Yeah, I mean, when I'm talking to high school students, they tell me that they don't wonder if their school will be the site of a mass shooting. They just wonder when their school will be the site of a mass shooting. And that's horrific to me. So what do you do about that without trampling on people's Second Amendment rights? I think, or do you? I don't no, know. Well, what, what, no, what do you I, think? Think, I think that there is some common sense uh, gun violence prevention legislation we can pass that will go a long way. So we know that 95% of Americans, including the majority of gun owners, support universal background checks. Uh, we know we need uh, laws like red flag laws so that uh, we, we have them here in California, but we need them at a national level so that if you know that someone is going to be a danger to themselves or others, you can get their weapons taken away. And that would have actually um, been uh, really meaningful in the uh, UC Santa Barbara uh, shooting that happened a number of years ago. Um, we also know we need safe storage laws. Uh, we need uh, to make sure that as people are getting temporary restraining orders, that we're able to take the guns away. Um, from then and not wait till the restraining order becomes permanent because actually those first few hours after a restraining order is filed is often the most dangerous. And I think one of the things we don't address enough is the intrinsic link between uh, violence against women and gun violence. So not only the majority of women who are killed in this country by a gun are killed by their domestic or intimate partner, but the majority of people who commit mass shootings have a history of domestic violence or violence against women. So we also need to make sure we're addressing that and changing the culture around toxic masculinity. I don't know what the solution is to any of the issues you're bringing up, <laughs> but I do recognize that they're all really important. And yet, Ms. Jacobs, these are tumultuous times mm -hmm. that we live in. Absolutely. Right? Um, it just seems like everything's nuts right now. And everybody thinks that, that the world is going to come to an end if the other side has their way and nobody trusts anybody. 
Do you think that people now have an appetite for more of these potentially paradigm-changing issues? I mean, when you're talking about gun rights are one of the most contentious issues there is, Medicare for all, climate change, these are really polarizing issues. And I wonder if people might prefer just to take a breather, let the dust settle, not try to upset the apple cart too much, just lay low a little bit. Or do you think people are hungry for more big change and potentially more chaos and fighting? Because that's what these issues will bring. I think people are hungry for solutions um, and things that will actually solve problems. And like you, like many people, I'm tired of looking at uh, Washington where people are just bickering and talking across each other and nothing gets done. Um, but I don't think that this, the the opposite of that is do nothing. I think the opposite of that is find ways to build that trust, find ways to listen to everyone, respect everyone, and work across the aisle and actually get things done that really make a positive impact in people's lives. And honestly, I think part of what is changing is that our young people are stepping up and making their voice heard on issues like gun violence, on issues like climate change. And they're demanding that we don't settle for the way things have always been done. And I think we need leaders who will take that energy and really make sure that we are working on it. Now, you have served in policy positions at the U.S. State Department during the, the Obama administration. Also, I read that you were policy advisor to Hillary Clinton during her 2016 campaign. Mm -hmm. um, what sort of policy issues were you involved in with those? Yeah, so um, I was in the State Department in the Bureau of Conflict and Stabilization Operations, uh, which was working mostly on U.S. policy towards conflict zones in East and West Africa. I worked on uh, Nigeria and the conflict with Boko Haram during um, the Bring Back Our Girls when the girls were taken. Uh, I worked on a presidential initiative on changing the way we address violent extremism to focus more on prevention and human rights and good governance. Uh, and on the Clinton campaign, I worked on her foreign policy team. There were two of us. We covered the whole world. Uh, and in particular, I was uh, in charge of her policy around Zika and global public health, which uh, unfortunately we are seeing is going to be important again this year with uh, everything that's going on with the coronavirus uh, and also on animal rights, uh, on the domestic overseas territories, a number of other um, really interesting topics that I worked on with her. Um, and one of the things um, I think I really bring to uh the campaign and I bring that I would bring to being a member of Congress is that I actually have a master's degree in international conflict resolution and I've worked in diplomacy and I've worked on these really tough tricky issues before and so I know how to bring people together on really difficult topics and actually find a way for us all to find some common ground. So you are familiar already with the sausage making in Washington and you sure want to go back. You know, it's only going to get better if we send better people. I I see that you are the founder and chair of San Diego for Every Child, the Coalition to End Child Poverty. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, uh, I uh, was trying to figure out how I could take some of the experiences I'd had working at places like UNICEF uh, and make sure I was using those experiences to help 
our community here in San Diego. And as I was talking to community members and organizations, it was clear that we had a real problem of childhood poverty here in San Diego. And that while there was a lot of really great work being done, there wasn't enough attention being paid to it. Um, So I uh, decided to put together a coalition. We've got about 20 partners now, um, and we're continually growing. We actually only officially launched a couple of weeks ago um, to address this issue and make sure that we were doing everything we could to make sure that every kid in San Diego had their basic needs met. So uh, we are raising awareness on the issue. We've actually created a map where you can look at the census track level, what the experience of childhood poverty looks like in your neighborhood. And um, we're asking people to sign up and every month we'll have action items for people to do to make sure that we're really um, building as broad a coalition as possible on this issue. And then we've set a a goal to cut in half the experience of childhood poverty in San Diego in 10 years and uh, bringing all the different service providers together to figure out how we can actually uh, improve what we're doing now, take the things that are working and scale them, figure out what the gaps are. And all of this is centered around empowering families who are experiencing poverty themselves as the decision makers for what gets funded and what gets tried because they know what they need. So we have on this show already spoken with two of the other candidates. We spoke first with Joaquin Vasquez and then with Jose Caballero. Now that was earlier. That was before Susan Davis even announced that she was not going to seek re-election. So mm-hmm. they, they were actually the only two guys in the game. Mm-hmm. And since then, as you know, the field has expanded somewhat. Yeah, I think there are 15 people on the ballot. I going to say, it's a lot of people on the ballot. So I know you said that you have some experience in Washington. Uh, what else would would separate you from the pack? Because also, I know that there was that, that, that recent poll in the, in the Union Tribune. According to that, you are the front runner. I think it was at 23 percent something mm-hmm. like that yeah that right and yet there was 30 something percent of people who were undecided right so what do we tell those people why should they vote for you i think that i can bring both the experience to make sure that our region is well represented and getting all the different uh, levers of power from the federal government working to deliver on issues facing us and a new approach and a new and be a new generation of leaders who can make sure we're not just thinking in the same old ways, but really addressing new ways of doing things and finding ways to really work across the aisle and actually get things done. And I think um, that combination is really something that voters here in the 53rd district are looking for. And I'm glad that was reflected in the poll. And it's reflected in uh, when I'm talking to voters every day in all of the doors we're knocking. Um, we're seeing a really incredible amount of energy and grassroots excitement from every single community in the district. What do you think are some misconceptions that people might have about you? Well, um, I'm young and I actually think that my youth is an advantage because I think as we were talking about, we are seeing young people bringing so much energy to some of these really important topics. And I think we need a leader who can harness that energy and bring it to Washington. Um, And so, you know, I know a lot of people look at me and I think I look even younger than I am. Thanks for the baby face. I'm sure I'll appreciate it one day. Um, But, uh, you know, I have the most experience working uh, in the federal government of anyone in this race. And I think that having this uh, energy and excitement is going to be really important. I'm actually fascinated with the the human experience of 
of politicians. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's easy, I think, for a lot of people to think of politicians as being something else, like these soulless automatons. No, I'm a real human. I, although I I suspect that some of them may be some of them definitely automatons. are. I've met them. Yes, I'm not they are. Name names, but yes. Um, so so when I look at politicians who are or candidates who are on the campaign trail, I you know I think. What is it like? That must be a weird... What is it like campaigning? So I will say my favorite part of campaigning is that it's one of the only areas where you get to talk to people who have had such different life experiences and really hear their stories and listen to them and think about ways that you can make their life better. And that to me, it's why I do it. That is my favorite part of campaigning. Um, obviously there are some parts that are a lot harder. So, um, I'm a young woman, uh, and I know, uh, a lot has been written and talked about how much harder it is to run for office as a woman and especially a young woman. I cannot tell you how many comments I get about my appearance, about um, my hair, what I dress like, I talk too fast, uh, my voice is too high. Um, I had someone tell me that I should do ads in a bikini so that men would want to vote for me. Um, I had someone say that I just didn't look right sitting at the head of a table, um, but they weren't sure why. Um, so it is hard and it's hard. People say these things to your face? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. To my face, they say it on the internet. Sometimes I have to remind people I'm a real human with real feelings. Um, but what I remind myself and the way I keep going is remembering that people will only get used to hearing people who sound different and seeing people who look different than what they're used to when they have more of them. And so that every arrow that I take is something that the next woman after me won't have to. And I mean, that's what keeps me going. You didn't have to do this. You know, you could have stayed Sarah Jacobs, private citizen and just kept your day job and, you know, hung out with friends and do whatever you're gonna do and take your dog for a walk and binge netflix on the weekends so that sounds really nice <laughs> <laughs> right. well guess what you're not doing that anytime soon no so i mean it must be worth it to you i um i think it is because i think we're only going to be able to change things if we send new leaders and if we change the way we do everything you know we have made a real commitment to not only do things differently when we get there but actually to do campaigning differently that if we want to change politics we actually have to change it so for instance we make everyone on our campaign sign an ethics pledge that we will not you know go negative we will not bully we will not harass um that uh, we pay our interns so that everyone who wants experience working in politics gets to instead of only the people who can afford to take an unpaid job. Um, we pay all of our staff a living wage. Um, I feel very strongly that campaigns and politics can be about giving people hope and finding solutions and bringing community together. And if we're going to do that, we have to do it. So the only way things change is if we change them. You know, if I can go back for a second, I know when you were policy advisor to Hillary Clinton, um, you were advising her on the th th that that was the time of the Zika. Zika that's right. Uh, virus outbreak, right? Um, do you have any thoughts on the coronavirus now? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think it's important for all of us to remember to follow CDC guidelines and to not let fear take over and to not let this divide us or let it be an excuse for xenophobia. Um, and I'm grateful that it seems like this administration is finally starting to take it 
a little bit seriously and contemplating appointing a czar and uh, sending a request for funds to Congress, um, but it shouldn't have taken this long. Um, in 2016, we uh, were proposing a rapid response health fund so that there'd be steady year-to-year funding so that whenever there was a response, we could immediately get funding out. Uh, unlike in the case now and what happened in Zika, which took months for Congress to appropriate separate funding for the crisis. And we know in these kinds of um, pandemic epidemic issues that every minute counts. Um, We also need to make sure we're funding the CDC and make sure we're funding vaccine development, um, uh, treatment development. It, It looks like right now we won't have a working vaccine for coronavirus for a year, partially because the Trump administration made a lot of cuts to our public health infrastructure that we had put in place in 2014 after the Ebola crisis. And so we need to be funding that infrastructure. And I believe we need to create this steady year-to-year funding so that we can respond immediately whenever there is a threat. Now, speaking of President Trump, um, in that same Union Tribune poll from a few weeks ago, whatever it was, in when it was talking about the issues that are most important to voters, I believe the top issue mm-hmm. was holding the president accountable. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right? Yes, that's what the poll showed. So, what do you? Th- so, how do you feel about that? Well, first of all, I'm hopeful we'll have a different president by the time I get there. Um, so, uh, you know, that's one piece of it. And I think that regardless of who the president is, Congress has an important oversight role and that in a lot of areas, Congress has not done as well as it could, making sure that the federal agencies are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. Um, We've seen that Congress has abdicated their responsibility on foreign policy and authorizing military force. um, And they're finally now starting to pass some things to constrain executive power. But even just looking at issues like there's a quota that uh, government contracts are supposed to go 40% to minority-owned small businesses, and we're nowhere near reaching that limit. And yet we are not doing the kind of oversight we need to make sure that we're actually doing those things that Congress has already decided are priorities. The website is sarahjacobs4ca.com. That's right. No No H. H. (laughs) And the four is spelled out. um, Or you can just do what I did and just Google your name and That's it'll right. come up. Even with the H, it still came up. Yeah, uh, and I think we have it so that even if you type it in wrong, it should be okay. So anything else that people should know about social media, any other links where you want people to go? Yeah, my um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are all Sarah Jacobs CA. This time, really no H because you won't find me if you put the H in. <laughs> so we will be keeping an eye on you and your campaign. Please come back anytime and check in. Wonderful. I'd be happy to, hopefully as your representative. We'll stop by Miss Donut and grab an apple fritter. Love it. (laughs) 